So hello and welcome to the Good Gut Girl podcast. So my name is Sharon Hesp. I am a degree qualified naturopath and I specialize in gut health. So I live in Hurstville Grove in Sydney with my husband and Beagle and I run a busy naturopathic clinic and I also run online gut healing courses. Most weekends though, you will find me in the garden. So what I wanted to talk to you all about today is the signs and symptoms of poor gut health. Now, for many of you, there will be lots of aha moments um, because you will have this sign or symptom and you won't realize that it's actually a sign or symptom of poor gut health. So let's just get started. So there are quite a few signs and symptoms and I'm gonna quickly run through them all and then go back and revise them and expand a little bit on them. So depression, anxiety, fatigue, headaches, migraines, a runny nose, itchy ears, reflux, stomach pain, bloating, post-nasal drip, asthma, constipation, diarrhea, excess flatulence, arthritis, insomnia, smelly stools and flatulence, itchy skin, hives, thrush, mouth ulcers, fluid retention, weight control and cravings for sugar, bread and alcohol are all signs or symptoms of poor gut health. So let's look at each of those signs and symptoms in a little bit more detail and I will associate them with the particular gut problems uh, where it's appropriate. So with depression, it is a classic sign or symptom of poor gut health. It may have been diagnosed by a health professional, or you may have a low-grade depression, or there may have been no diagnosis whatsoever. You may be sad a lot. You may be sad on some days. You may be sleeping a lot. Um, another sign of depression I do find is when you really struggle to get motivated to actually do anything. So Depression can be caused by food intolerances. It can be caused by candida. Um, depression can be caused by most of the gut problems. Gut problems such as SIBO, which is short intestinal bacterial overgrowth, and just general gut dysbiosis, which is just too much of a bad bacteria in the gut. Um, and, and it's amazing because we have this huge superhighway between our gut and our brain. And there is a really, really big link between what we eat and how we feel. So it's amazing. As soon as you move foods out of your diet, you feel that depression, that cloud of depression, it can really lift. Anxiety is something that I see a lot. It's really, really strongly associated with fructose malabsorption problems. But as well, it can be related to food intolerances or SIBO and candida. Uh, sometimes I also see it with salicylate problems as well. And that as well quickly does die down a lot uh, once you address the, the gut. And, I, um, and most of you would know, or, or even if you don't know, as a naturopath, I work with herbal medicines a lot. And 50% of the herbal medicines on my shelf are for depression and anxiety, which some people might find that unusual because I am the good gut girl. But 
addressing stress and addressing anxiety and addressing depression is a really, really big part of addressing poor gut health. So fatigue is something I see a lot with food intolerances and I also see a lot with candida, sometimes with SIBO and sometimes with, um, with fructose malabsorption. But when fatigue is associated with food intolerances, it's almost like you'll feel fine and then all of a sudden, oh, my gosh, if I could just put my head down and sleep for 10 minutes, it's that sort of fatigue. It can as well be that you're tired a lot all the time, but tired a lot all the time is sometimes a lack of B12 and sometimes a lack of iron. So testing is pretty important to find out what is causing your fatigue. Headaches, I see associated a lot with food intolerances and with candida problems. If you speak to body workers such as chiropractors and physios and massage therapists, they usually say it's because your neck is out. Sure, it can be because your neck is out, but I see a lot of change in people's headache situations as soon as I address their gut health. Migraines are less common and more um, usually associated with histamine intolerances. Um, if you've got a runny nose, a runny nose is often associated with food intolerances. And really your nose should not be runny unless you've got a cold or a flu. So if you carry around a tissue in your pocket or under your bra strap, or there's always a box of tissues in the car, on the bedside table, in the lounge room, in the kitchen, because your nose is always runny. It's actually a sign of poor gut health. Itchy ears is, um, is something that you'll, or you'll either say, what are you talking about? Or you'll go, oh my God, I know exactly what Sharon's talking about. Itchy ears, and you'll know it, it's like if you could just get a pen in your ear and scratch it, that's what that means. Um, and it's usually associated with, associated with candida problems. Sometimes it's associated with food intolerances, but more commonly with candida. Reflux is like you either know you've got it and you get this burning in your chest, or you may have what they call silent reflux. And sometimes silent reflux can be manifested as in you cough a lot in the morning or you clear your throat a lot in the morning. And sometimes, or, or it may be after meals, and sometimes reflux is just you can feel it when you've got this lump in your throat and you try and swallow it and you try and swallow it and you try and swallow it and you, and swallow it and you can't. Um, and reflux is quite strongly associated with fructose malabsorption. It's You do see it as, I do see it as well with food intolerances and candida. Stomach pain is something I see more in children than in adults. And it's very, very common in children with poor gut health to have stomach pain. So if your child is saying to you or a child that you care for is saying to you that they have stomach pain, please believe them. It is a real thing for them. Uh, stomach pain is less prominent in adults. But if you do get stomach pain from food intolerances or candida, it will be in the lower gut whereas stomach pain from fructose malabsorption is higher up in the gut and it's high up under that, the, the ribs. And it can be very, very severe. So, um, so please take notice of that. It's the positioning that will tell us what it's, where, what it's probably associated with. So high up under the ribs, fructose, lower down, it will be other gut problems. 
bloating is something that lots and lots of people do struggle with with poor gut health it is a classic sign and symptom and the good thing about the bloating is that it's usually the first thing that goes away so when you get to day three or day four on your gut healing journey you will notice that the bloating has vanished and people especially women often say to me i don't care about the other symptoms but please get rid of this bloating because i cannot stand it Postnasal drip is the next sign and symptom. And postnasal drip is when you get that feeling of that gunk that goes down the back of your throat. Um, and it can be food intolerances and or it can be candida. I find that asthma is very, very common with people with that poor gut health. Now, people rarely come in and say to me, oh, I've got asthma, I'd like to address my gut health. Usually because they don't realise that asthma is associated with poor gut health. And um, when patients come to see me, I do get them to fill in quite an extensive new patient information form. And on that form, I ask them what their diagnosed uh, medical conditions are. And if somebody does write asthma on there, when they come back for their third or fourth appointment, I will ask them, have you been using your puffer much? And they say, oh, wow, I haven't had to use my puffer at all. So addressing your gut health can fix fix health issues such as asthma. So constipation is a big one. Now, the reality is you should be pooing three times a day. You eat three meals a day, you should poo three times a day. I've only ever met one person in my life that is that healthy. As long as you poo once a day, I'm happy. If you're only pooing every second day or every third day or once a week, then that's not enough. It may be your normal, but it's not an ideal normal for your gut health at all. You really need to be pooing once a day. Sometimes this could can be because of A1 dairy and because A1 dairy will cause constipation, which is a whole nother podcast for another time. Uh, sometimes gluten can cause constipation. Sometimes if you've got a methane-based SIBO problem, that can also cause constipation. And if you've got a methane-based fructose malabsorption problem, that can cause constipation, as can candida. So lots of things can cause constipation. And the key with your gut health is you need to find out what is causing any of these signs or symptoms so that you can address it. Because if you're only pooing once a week, and that's because you've always only pooed once a week and it's become your normal, that's not ideal for your whole digestive system your whole body health at all diarrhea is the next sign or symptom so you should only be getting diarrhea if you have eaten something that is poisonous or you've eaten something that the bacterial load is far too heavy for your gut to deal with and diarrhea is really your body's way of saying mm, this isn't meant to be here get it out now so um, if you're getting diarrhea commonly and you're not getting diarrhea because you've got barley belly or you've got food poisoning, then there is gut dysfunction there. And a big part of a, a big problem with diarrhea is that you're actually not absorbing any vitamins or any minerals, or, or I should probably step back a bit. You are absorbing vitamins and minerals, but because that, that, food is going through your gut so fast, you need to think, okay, you're only probably absorbing half 
or maybe a quarter of them because it doesn't spend time in your gut to absorb. And, you know, I have patients that regularly come to see me and they do need to take gastro stop, which is a medication that does stop diarrhea to be able to get on the train to go to work, um, to be able to go to their children's sporting activities, um, to be able to do absolutely anything. Some people need to know where every single toilet is on their way to visit me or visit their family or go to a sporting event. So, and it just becomes their new normal and, but you do not have to put up with it. Excess flatulence is also a sign of poor gut health. So you should have some gas that develops in your gut, but it should not be excessive um, as well. Arthritis is a little bit like asthma. People say to me after a few months that their arthritis pain is much, much less. And there are certain bacterias in the gut. And one of them that comes to mind is Klebsiella species. So when you have too much Klebsiella species in your gut, in your more in your large intestine, you'll be more prone to arthritis such as ankylosing spondylitis. So it's really, really important to find out what's going on in that gut. And a stool analysis can do that for us um, because if you've got too much Klebsiella species, you really need to reduce it. And we can reduce it with herbs, including pomegranate. We can reduce it by really reducing the starch in your diet. We can reduce it by adding in lactobacillus probiotics. Insomnia is the next um, sign or symptom of poor gut health. Now, you might go to bed sometimes at at 10 p.m. and you'll wake up at midnight at two and at four other times you might go to bed and you may sleep straight through usually on those nights that you don't sleep very well or you're taking two hours to get to sleep it's usually related to what you've eaten in the day now let's look at smelly stools and smelly flatulence next if you're the sort of person that when you come out of the bathroom you say don't go in there if your life depends on it, or you need to spray a whole half a tin of that spray to get rid of the poo smell that then turns into the poo smell and the disgusting smell of the spray combined, which I think makes it worse. Then there's something going on in your gut. You know, your poo, it should smell like a healthy compost bin and your flatulence is the same. It should not be rank. It's what you're eating and the keys you need to find out what that is. Itchy skin is the next sign and symptom. You know, sure, you're going to get an itch sometimes, but itchy skin can be salicylates, it can be food intolerances, and it can be candida. Um, and itchy skin is commonly candida. So, and you'll find if your if your feet start to peel and get really, really itchy, then that can be candida. Hives is commonly related to histamine intolerance, but it can as well be a food intolerance. Thrush is almost always associated with a candida infection, which is really just too much alcohol, too much sugar. And it can be thrush. <clears throat> it can be vaginal thrush. It can be in your mouth. It can be on your feet, under your arms, in that genital area as well for men. Mouth ulcers is a sign of, of poor gut health. Sometimes it's related to food intolerances and sometimes it's related to candida. And I always think if you're getting mouth ulcers in your mouth, 
Are you also getting mouth ulcers all the way through your gastrointestinal tract, but you just can't see them? That is a likely scenario. And then things such as fluid retention and weight control. So if you get on the scale some days and you weigh 80 kilos and other days you get on the scales and you weigh 82 kilos and you know that you haven't had a terrible diet for two days, in fact, it's pretty well impossible to put on two kilos in calories in two days. There's issues going on in your gut. And if there's cravings for sugar, bread and alcohol, that's usually candida, but it can be food intolerances as well. So I'm sure that there's been quite a few aha moments for you um, listening to those signs and symptoms. The key though with gut health is to find out what's causing the problems. Is it food intolerance? Is it SIBO? Is it fructose? Is it candida? Is it salicylates? Is it histamines? Is it parasites? Is it pyroluria? There are lots and lots of things that do contribute to poor gut health. Um, I'm a big fan of testing and I'm a big fan of getting to the bottom of what's going on. So um, I'd like to thank you to Liz, to, for listening to our podcast today. Now, our next podcast is going to be about what can and does go wrong with gut health and what are the contributing factors. So make sure you listen out for our podcast next time and I'll speak to you then. Thank you.